I want to just start out with a story today as we jump into this message. A few years back, I had the opportunity to, um, to play at the, the Montreal Jazz Fest. And it was fun because when, if you ever do events like this, uh, this is very unique for me. And um, I used to play more music back then, so I would never make it in the event these days. But the coolest thing is when you're, when you're part of an event like that, they let you into so many places behind the scenes. And you get, not only do you get a t-shirt that says, you know, the festival, but then you get the lanyard. I love that word. It's so official. You get the Jazz Fest lanyard, you know, that necklace with the, the pass. And that pass is your ID, your identity, really, to get into places. So you can go backstage, and then with the, the team or the band that you're performing with, uh, there was, you know, a, a room and a complex Desjardins with food and stuff like that. And, and so all these little places that, when I visited the festival before, I would never get access to. But that lanyard gave me access. That, that thing around my neck gave me access. And uh, sometimes you can get a little bit, you know... Um, rigid with that whole lanyard thing, but it was a really neat thing because not only did it give me access to the food and to the beverages and to backstage stuff and to meeting sound people and things like that, but I would never be able to get on stage to actually play without my identity. They wouldn't let me on stage if I didn't have that. And it was amazing access and, and sense of, um, you know, just freedom to get to places. When you think about your identity... Your identity, your own personal identity, it really gives you freedom and confidence to move into the things that God has in store for you in your life. It, you don't get a lanyard when you become a follower of Jesus. Uh, you, know, you don't carry something around your neck uh, for, you know, for as long as you're following Christ or throughout life. But there's something that God wants to give us as we come into relationship with him, and it's this sense of identity. And today, what I want to talk about is get into the life of Jesus as we've been walking through this new series or this current series we're in called Covenant and Kingdom, really relationship and responsibility. And last week, we touched upon identity. And today, I want to to jump back into that again, but look through the lens of Jesus and one particular part of his life that we read in the Gospels. And Jesus had responsibility. I mean, if we see somebody in the Gospels, it's the Son of God who's given responsibility to live out the life that he has planned to live and to lead people to the kingdom of God, help people understand that the kingdom of God is there, exists, and he has a mission. But he doesn't just fulfill that responsibility um, out of nowhere. It flows out of his identity. It flows out of his relationship with the Father. And I want to read this morning, if you've got your Bibles, Luke chapter 3, Verse 21, we're just going to read a couple of verses there and then jump into the beginning of chapter 4. And um, just read this, this beginning part of Jesus' ministry. This is such a, an important uh, part in the Gospels because a shift takes place from just discovering who Jesus is, uh, learning about his birth, learning very few things about his life before the age of 30, um, and then the understanding of, of how others are preparing uh, his coming, like John the Baptist. And then there's this incredible moment of his baptism where we're going to read with right now. So join me, uh, chapter 3, verse 21 in Luke. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And he was praying, and as he was praying, heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form. 
like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Jump to chapter 4. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you, if you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of this world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. What an awesome part of the gospel. Let's just pray for a moment. Father, thank you that we've been able to worship this morning, that our attention has been drawn to you, that we have affirmed in our hearts that Christ is enough, and that we sing to you, our God, our King. Thank you that we can be reminded as we declare um, just that refrain that you reign. You are a God who reigns. God, would you reign right here in this moment? Um, we, we welcome your rule in our hearts. and We welcome your words and your convictions. So God, regardless of where uh, each of us are on our journey with you, Lord, we trust that you're going you're gonna to speak into our lives and into our hearts, and we just say welcome to that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Just think about this shift in Jesus' journey here. Uh, This is the shift that brings him into ministry, that starts him into ministry. He starts after this moment that we just read. He begins to speak. He begins to teach. He begins to proclaim the kingdom of God. He begins to heal. Never did any of that up until that moment. It's like in this moment, he takes on his responsibility and he moves forward. But the shift takes place from baptism to to the wilderness to just right after the wilderness where we get this sense that Jesus' both relationship with the Father and the responsibility that he has on earth come together. Kind of similar to Moses as we walked last week through the story of Moses. Moses was affirmed in his relationship with God the Father and he was sent with responsibility um, to free the people of Israel uh, out of Egypt's hands. And so last week we had this triangle up on the screen and, and we, just, we talked about it briefly to understand that, that if we have a relationship with God as Father and move to obedience... But skip identity, we can fall into this religious rut. We can feel like we're straightjacketed into just, oh, okay, uh, I guess I got to do this, this, and this. And what we learned last week is that the flow of 
from our relationship with the Father to living out the life that God calls us to live in obedience needs to flow through identity. It must come out of this relationship that we have with God the Father. It must come out of this identity that he gives to us. And then we move to obedience. And we see this happening even in Jesus' life. He's, there's this moment that he's baptized. And in the baptism, um, it's this, it's this, he's walking in God's will. But we see this affirmation of relationship with the Father. We see this sense of then sending, or or that identity comes in, and then this sense of sending into responsibility, into the kind of life that Jesus is going to now live, ministry and mission and healing and proclaiming uh, the incredible good news of the kingdom. But just pause for a second and think about Jesus' identity. Just this moment where he's baptized. It's It's a short piece of the gospel story, but it's so important Because in this moment, Jesus is rooted in the Father's love. In this moment, Jesus is affirmed in the relationship he has with his Father. So we would read, just in that part, when this voice, God's voice, comes out of heaven, when the Spirit descends on Jesus, and then God's voice says, You are my Son. You are my Son. Here's God speaking directly to his son, affirming the relationship they have. You are my son. And we read about um, domestic issues in the world. We read about what so many people struggle with, even later in life, in terms of their own internal confidence, security, understanding, affirmation. And how many... Thinking about, let's say, boys growing up in our world would love to hear a father say, you are my son. Or a girl, little girl, you are my daughter. Just affirming relationship to them. I mean, and Jesus is God's son. This is a, Jesus is like, you know, he's, a, he's God as well. You know, we believe in the Trinity. And yet here in this moment... Even he is affirmed in this relationship. You are my son. And then the words continue. This voice continues and says, With you, I am well pleased. With you, I am well pleased. And so here in this moment, Jesus is affirmed this relationship with the Father and his identity is affirmed. We see that whatever he's going to do next is going to flow out of this identity that he has, this relationship with God, his Father, and this sense of identity. And God's affirming in him, I'm well pleased in you. You're loved. You're my beloved. You're my son. So God, the Father, pours his spirit on Jesus, lavishes him with this affirmation of who he is. And then you get this sense of identity, even authority, wrapped up into this moment. And Jesus will eventually begin his ministry out of identity. He will, he will live out his responsibility out of identity, entrusted with this authority. And this is something we got to get. You and I cannot do God's will, cannot live the kind of life he envisions for us, he calls us to, without this. Jesus didn't. Jesus didn't move forward into ministry without being rooted in a relationship with his father and the sense of identity that he gets from that relationship. There's no shortcuts to that. There's no shortcuts from moving from, okay, God's my father, to I'm going to do this. Jesus moved through identity to responsibility, to obedience, to life. And Jesus didn't take a shortcut. 
And so just as we just think about this for a second, here are some questions we need to ask ourselves. I need to ask myself, do you know who you are in Christ? Do you know who you are and who God has created you to be? Do you know who you are in a sense? Do you know that you're God's child, that you're God's son, you're God's daughter? Do you know that you're loved? Do you know that God lavishes his love upon his children? Do you know that God wants to pour out his spirit on you and on me? And do you hear God's voice affirming both those words? Do you hear his voice affirming both those words? Henry Nouwen wrote a book called Beloved. Henry Nouwen was a Catholic priest and a teacher at Yale and Harvard, and then he had moved for, into a completely different vocation in life. He helped and served um, mentally handicapped and physically handicapped people for the rest of his life. And uh, he had somehow, God gave him a voice to speak into all facets of life, and often even successful people would read his, his work and his writings. And one of the things he would say through this book, Beloved, is, and it's this conversation he has with maybe a, a, like a, a fictional character, business guy that's struggling with his own identity. And he would say, do you, do you hear God's voice every day telling you, you're my beloved? You're my son? So do we know who we are? Do we, do we know that we're loved? Do we hear God's voice affirming both of those things every day? I mean, wouldn't it be amazing? Just, wouldn't it be amazing if every day we lived out of that identity? If every day we lived out of that truth, if every day we lived out of that reality, if that, if that would, imagine, imagine just every single day we woke up and started our day with that truth firmly planted in our minds and in our hearts. And, that we, and everything we would do, work or home or family or friends or finances or whatever it is, we, we live out of that identity. That'd just be, I think that'd be an amazing life. But I bet you all of us here say, well, that doesn't happen every day. <laughs> I don't feel that every morning. I don't get that at my 10 o'clock meeting. I don't, I'm not, you know, sometimes, yeah, this, this doesn't really look like my life. And here's the reality. There will be resistance to the identity that God wants to affirm in your life and into my life. See, Jesus is rooted and lavished in identity, but then God, God actually sends him into the desert. God sends him into the wilderness for 40 days. This is an intentional uh, movement that God gets Jesus on. And, and here in the desert, as we read the, the story, Jesus is tempted directly by Satan. And Jesus has this wilderness experience. Interestingly, it's God who gets him to the desert. It says that the Spirit leads him out. And there's something about this wilderness experience that we, we wouldn't say that God, you know, that God tempts us, but there's something that is part of God's plan for Jesus to walk through the wilderness. And it's in that wilderness that Jesus is tested, that Jesus is tempted. God sends him there, and there's something for Jesus to learn. And what he learns there is that there's resistance to his identity. There's, there's opposition to his identity. And this is true. There's always going to be resistance to the identity that God gives you. There's always going to be opposition to the, to, the, to the love and identity that God wants us to live with. And it's going to come through temptations. It's going to come through cultural forces. It's going to come through direct deceiving words from, from the devil. It's going to come through outside forces trying to break in. And Jesus understands this. And twice the devil says these words to Jesus. If you are God's son, Right? Twice, if you are God's son, 
And Satan tries to basically tamper with Jesus' identity and the relationship he knows he has with his father. If you are God's son. I wonder how many times we hear that in, in different phrases, in different ways, as we start our day or throughout our day or throughout our week or throughout a challenge. If, if you're really, you know, if this relationship you have with God is really the best thing in your life, then what about that? If Jesus is really number one, really the source of you, or really such a great person to follow, and your whole life is wrapped up in him, then what about this? And I wonder how many times we hear that kind of question. Maybe not said the same way, but intended for the same result. And this wilderness experience highlights at least three common temptations I think we can all relate with. I know I can relate with it. And uh, some of us in our groups, community groups this week will probably walk through some of this as well in deeper ways. But here's, here's a few of them. Well, I'll just put them all on the screen. Appetite, affirmation, ambition. I think these are three ways at least, and it maybe encompasses other things as well, that, that will be the resistance to our identity in, in, in God the Father, in Christ. First one is appetite. I mean, Jesus is hungry, right? Forty days he's fasting. Forty days he's not eating. And Satan comes after his obvious, his obvious weakness. He's hungry. I mean, that's the obvious appetite right there. This, but this, what, what this temptation does in this moment is, is uh, Satan is trying to get Jesus to not to stop trusting in God. He's trying to get Jesus to say, well, you can just turn this stone to bread. Why trust this process your father has brought you through? Don't you trust you know, do you really trust that your father's going to eventually provide for you? Why don't you just do it yourself? Why don't you just make it happen? Why don't you just take it into your own hands? And really what the deception is, is why don't you prove your own identity? Why don't you prove your own strength? Why don't you prove who you are in that moment and turn these stones into bread? Just think of some of the things we crave. Maybe it's not food. I'm sure you crave food. I crave food. <laughs> who doesn't crave good food? But think of some of the things you crave. Do you trust God enough to satisfy those cravings? Do you believe that God will will actually meet the needs, the the hungers that you have in your own heart and soul? Or do you put them into your own hands and say, no, God's, God's not enough. God's not good enough. God's not great enough. And sometimes that's through our relationships, through our finances, through pleasure. And we find other ways to fulfill those appetites when our identity and our relationship with God the Father is, is God's trying to affirm that and say, no, you, you don't need to just, you don't need to make this happen on your own. I will fulfill your heart's desire. The temptation is, I'll fulfill this now. I can't wait for God to fulfill it later. Some of the common appetites are food, sex, body image, comfort, convenience, entertainment, uh, mental distractions like social media, escapism. Think about it for a second. When we crave something like, like Facebook or we crave some mental distractions or we crave social media stuff, what that does at times is it controls us. Yesterday, I was walking through these notes. I was just looking through this. I, was, I brought Julia to gymnastics and I sit there for about an hour and a half sometimes and read or go through my thoughts for today as well. And so I'm sitting in this like, way where nobody really is. I was kind of all by myself on a bench and I have my computer in front of me and my notes are here, but my phone is under my notes. 
And there's this weird, this, just this, something is saying, grab your phone, check your messages, see what the world is saying. And it's, it's invisible because it's under my notes, but I feel it rumbling underneath there. And I feel something saying, grab me, touch me, open me, look at me, read me, please, now. And, and I, came, I caved in. I couldn't, I couldn't just focus. I'm like, oh, let me just see just for a second. Let me have a mental distraction. Let me fulfill that appetite. It's funny, just a lot, last week we were away for a few days and um, I, had, I had taken like early morning, maybe an hour um, before my family was up and out and stuff and I, was, I was, went downstairs to the lobby of the place we were in and I just, I didn't bring my phone. I left it upstairs and for 45 minutes I had this sense of focus and, and something different happened. But it's, I just oh, being aware of the appetites in my own heart and life and mind. I think we all wrestle with that. Maybe not with what I've just described, but maybe in some other way. So ask the question, what appetites control you? What appetites are tempting you to prove your identity? There's other things that I think are resistance towards identity, not just appetite, it's affirmation and ambition. Jesus was affirmed in his identity as God's son by God's love. And then Satan comes and tempts him and says, I can give you all authority and splendor. Just this morning, we sang about the splendor of our king in worship. Satan tells Jesus, I can give you all authority and splendor. I can affirm who you are. I can make you feel great. I can give you a platform. And there's this constant, I think, addiction that many of us struggle with. I think sometimes it even just keeps us up at night. Maybe not literally, but it's in our minds a lot. Like, I want to be affirmed. I need to be affirmed. And there's nothing wrong with affirmation. We should affirm one another. And I hope you're affirmed in your relationships and in your workplace and in your home. But how often do we, do we look for affirmation as the source of our identity to prove our identity? Do people think I'm good at work? Am I a good husband or wife? Have I been a good parent? Am I smart? Am I cool? Do I look nice? What do people think about how I'm dressed? You know, we were just chatting when we were praying before the gathering that like this level here, everybody sees my shoes. And I was like, what are they going to think about my shoes? I mean, you know, like, will anybody notice? Anyways, it doesn't matter. But the point is that this sense of like, do we think about those things? You know, we were joking around because someone was wearing socks. But the, the whole point was, is like, how, how do we look for these quick little ways to feel affirmation? Like, and who doesn't do that? Have you never done that? Like you have somebody over and you might tell them, it was so nice to have you over and you mean it, but part of you wants them to respond back and say, no, it was so awesome to be here. Thank you so much, right? Or sometimes you say like, you look so great today and you mean it, but part of you wants them to notice what you're wearing. So they say, oh my goodness, I love that shirt. So, so sometimes there's, we, we ask these questions, right? To solicit affirmation. We ask these questions to solicit affirmation or compliments just so we can hear, so, am I the only one that does this sometimes? Am I the only one that feels like this? Am I alone? Like, am I the only really evil person here in the room? You're like, yeah, you're really, you're really that bad. So there, I think there's this desire in us, you know, do, do we please people for affirmation? Do we compliment to get a response? Do we do something extra to get people's attention? And it's funny, my mom, she's 76 years old, and she listens to our podcast sometimes. So, and uh, 
So sometimes we'll chat, you know, during the week, and, and uh, there's part of me that just wants to know if she listened. I don't never ask her to. Then she mentions something, and it's just a natural thing. She's my mom, but part of me just wants me to hear my mom. Yeah, that was a good message, Dave. You know, there's just that weird little part of us. And you know what it is? We're, we're looking for worship. We're looking for attention. Satan is looking for worship in this, in this conversation with Jesus. And he's, telling, he's tempting Jesus to want a platform, in a sense, to be worship. Jesus reverts back and says, no, worship the Lord God and him only. Worship the Lord God only. I think this connects with ambition because ambition, when our ambition is tied to our identity, it's so dangerous because it can rob us of staying rooted in our true identity. When our ambition, which ambition isn't necessarily bad to, to, to want to grow and become good at stuff or to serve in a way that fulfills your gifts, but when our identity is tied to our ambition, it can rob us of our true identity, which is we are God's child. We are God's son or God's daughter. It's so dangerous. I remember years ago, uh, there was someone, somebody who was serving in our church community, and they were serving in a specific role. and And I remember we were we were we were walking uh, through some things with this person, and 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 um, I, I personally felt they needed a, a little bit of a break from that role, and just to be part of community, and just to just to gain like just to just to know the the father's love, to know his identity to be part of community without being tied to that specific thing that they did, you know? And I remember asking them about that and saying, you know what, I, th- I think you should take, why don't you take a break and just be part of what we're doing for a month or so. And this person just couldn't do it. He says, no, if I'm not behind this role, I won't be here. And they left. They just, they left. And, they, and you know what the struggle was? They could not separate themselves from what, their, that their identity was tied in what they were doing. Their identity was tied in that specific task, in that specific role. And that's so dangerous because our identity is not wrapped up in just the things we do. Our identity is wrapped up in who God is. If I, if I make the mistake of tying my identity to even what I'm doing right now in this moment, that's, that's going to be dangerous. Because I'm not David just David the preacher or the teacher or the pastor or whatever. I'm David, God's son. And my identity is in the love of the Father. And whether I preach another sermon or not, I'm still his son. And whether I do good or bad or I fail at it or whatever, I'm still his son. I'm still his child. And, and, and if I tie that to, to my identity, what I do, or even how God uses me, then that's dangerous then we can become a very small platform to God, for God to use. A really small platform for God to use when our identity is tied to our success. But when we say, when we say you know what, I'm going I'm to let go of that, then God, God begins to have this full reign. and says, oh man, what, I'm gonna, what I can do with you when you just stop tying your identity to your ambition or your identity to affirmation or to appetite. See, when God looks to use us for his purposes, he looks for people that, yes, 
God, God, the, God is not against us being ambitious, ambitious. God is not against us being affirmed in some ways. God's not against the cravings that he's created us with. But when we wrap those up in our identity and they become the, they become the source instead of God, then God has difficulty using us because we get caught up in ourselves. But God wants to use us in huge ways. And as we look at the wilderness, you know, part of Jesus' life, I mean, he's God's son. You know, did he really have to go through 40 days of that? Yet the Lord sent him into the desert. And those tests reveal our common temptation. Even Jesus is tested in this time. Even Jesus is prepared for ministry, for responsibility. Even Jesus is sharpened in his, in his father-formed identity. His loving relationship with the father. And I want you to notice the process here because at the beginning in chapter 4 verse 1 it says that from the desert Jesus full of the Holy Spirit left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Here's the Spirit of God leading Jesus into the wilderness. It was on purpose. It wasn't by mistake. And then we go through this whole process of the wilderness, this whole testing and Jesus Jesus comes out affirming his identity in, in, in the Father, comes out affirming his love and, and source of, of, of affirmation in the Father's love, not in just what he's going to do. And then after the wilderness, I love this, Jesus returned to Galilee, verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. I mean, he was full of the Spirit going into the wilderness, and the Spirit led him there, and he walked in being affirmed in, the, in his identity, being affirmed in God the Father's love, but he leaves the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. He leaves the wilderness now out of that identity-shaped time, out of that sense where his identity was tested, but he comes out fully dependent on God the Father. And I love that verse. It's so beautiful. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And it's at this moment where Jesus begins his ministry. From relationship to responsibility. The love of the Father, his identity in the Father, and then his obedience to the Father. And he is able to live that out in power. In power and strength with effectiveness. So Jesus leaves the wilderness rooted in his identity. Entrusted with God's authority. Acting dependent on God's strength, God's power. So just as we kind of wrap this up today, you know, think about this. How can we fight the resistance? Because there's going to be resistance, right? Like there's going to be resistance. You and I feel this all the time. We even feel it in other circumstances. There's going to be resistance to the truth that we really, the truth that we need to believe in our hearts. We always have this onslaught against us. How can we fight the resistance that comes against our identity? Well, here's one thing, really simple thing. What can we do this week? Why don't you just take time this week to reflect and ask this question. Look for this. Where are you being tempted? What's, what is coming against your identity? What appetites are coming against your identity? What needs for affirmation are coming against your identity? Where are you tying your ambition to your identity? And just look for that. Because this is going to continue to happen. If you, I don't know if you caught this, but at the, in verse 13, after Jesus is tempted three times, it says this, when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. So he was going to come back. We know that he comes back in the garden before, as Jesus leads up to the cross. But... 
this is really powerful. This is really, we need to know this. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. See, Satan is always looking for an opportune time to tempt us, to break down our identity, to make us doubt if you are really God's son or God's daughter, if you're really in his love. And so we need to be asking that question. We need to be aware that he'll be back. And we need to be asking the question tomorrow, today, all this week, where, where am I being tempted? Which appetites, which desires for affirmation? Where am I tying my ambition to my identity? The next thing we could do is this, and this is, this is not as easy, but it's, it's, I just call it disciplined withdrawal. Some people call it fasting. The early church fathers used to say this, say no to one appetite so you can say no to something else. So, so they would sometimes, you know, this is this whole, whole idea of fasting. You fast from something, but as you fast and you say no to one thing, often it's not because that one thing is the thing that really brings you down. It's because you actually can control that one thing. And so by saying no to that thing, you're able to say no to something else. When we, if we choose to fast as a spiritual practice, fasting a meal or fasting three meals in a day, we're saying no to food. But the reason we're saying no to food is not because food is bad, because internally and emotionally and spiritually, we know we need to say no to other things in our life. So we, need, we, we say no to stuff that we can control so we can have the strength to say no to stuff that we can't control. Does that make sense? So when it's not, we don't fast because there's nowhere in the scripture that says you don't need food. You do need food. But we know that there's other appetites that are really unhealthy for us. That there's other things in our life that always grab our attention. There's other things in our life that draw us, draw us in. And so we say no to, to one thing so we can say no to something else that's either distracting us or destroying us. Mike Breen says this, it's on the screen, he says, learn to use your will to give something up you do have power over so that the door of your heart is crowbarred open and God's spirit will give you the power over the other. So is it possible that this week, if there is, honestly, if there's something that is bugging you so much, if there's something that is controlling you so much, would it not be the wisest thing to do to do a disciplined withdrawal of something you can control? You can control social media. You can control your food intake. You can control uh, something that, you know, is entertaining for an hour in the week. And maybe, maybe that's not controlling you, but there's other stuff that is. And you might say, you know what? For this day, I'm going to say no to this because God, I so want you to help me to say no to this. And something happens internally, spiritually, spiritually. So if your appetite for gossip or for lust or for something else is out of control, consider fasting a meal or two this week. Consider taking a whole day off or three days or the week off social media so you can say no to the thing that you cannot overcome on your own. And then the last thing is worship. I'm going to invite the team to come up as we, we would just want to close in a prayerful way. And I, I love Jesus, when, when the, the devil tempts him with a platform, when the devil plants him and says, I can, I'll give you all this splendor, give you this platform, you'll be awesome, you'll be great, you'll be looked at. Jesus says, worship the Lord your God only. That was his response. And so one of the ways to grow in, in this and to, to, fight against the, to fight against the resistance, you know, against our identity, is really to worship, is really to put God first. 
And so as we, as we come to a close today, uh, the team had sang this song before and it just seemed like an incredible few words in this song that would just help us uh, close our gathering with this complete attention on, on God. Complete attention on, on Him and on the relationship that He has with us, that we have with Him, on the, the identity that He wants to shape in us. Because we will find resistance. We will have resistance against the father, son, and daughter relationship against the identity. So I want to give you a moment just as we, we wrap up today to come to God and to just, just come before him and to affirm this and say, Lord, I, you know, one, acknowledge, acknowledge, acknowledge that he loves you. It, listen to the words of God over Jesus. You are my son or you are my daughter or you are my child. Just think about those words as we wrap up today. And if you need to this week, write it on a piece of paper and stick it on your car dash or your fridge or your bathroom mirror. Write it in the first person if you want, God speaking to you. You know, Dave, my son, I love you. I'm well pleased with you. And let's affirm that. But then let's also consider the ways that we're tempted that want to rip out and break up that identity we have in God. And then maybe to be so serious about it because we want full freedom. We say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a disciplined withdrawal over this or this this week. But ultimately, let's come to worship. So why don't we stand and just take a few moments and reflect on that. I'll just give you a little bit of space on your own uh, to talk with God and then just at the appropriate time maybe the team will lead us um, to sing some of these words to just help us to close our gathering in complete worship to God our Father. God, I thank you that you have invited us to be part of your family and how lavished we are to be considered your children. And I pray for anyone here today who is just exploring faith or exploring who Jesus is or exploring to understand who you are, God, I pray that they would know and hear your invitation that in Christ and through trusting Christ and surrendering to Christ and calling Jesus Lord that they too can become part of your family and discover that they too can be lavished upon and be called your child God we just we thank you we thank you we thank you for your initiation to reaching out to us and we thank you that you give us opportunity to respond to you We thank you for Jesus that through Christ we come into full relationship with you. God, may we leave this day and wake up every morning uh, just hearing your voice as your son or your daughter and hearing your love and knowing that we are your child. 
God, we're so grateful. We don't need to wear a lanyard to tell us that. And we don't need some badge on our clothes to walk through this life. Lord, but you've impressed it and imprinted it on our hearts. And you sent your son to the cross to make a way. And so may we live with that truth. May we live with that joy. May we live with that confidence. May we take your truth at face value and know that we can come into your presence with confidence. And God, we, we just we pray for strength and grace and courage because we know that there will be resistance every day. We know that there will be temptations. We know that there will be pulls on our appetite or a desire for affirmation or, God, we will, we will fall and we will be tempted to tie our ambition to our identity. And, God, sometimes we will fail and, God, we will be, it will feel like our identity is crushed, Lord. But may we know, may we know and stand in you, in our relationship with you stand in that identity and live out the life that you call us to live in obedience to you through that Lord God you know what our day is going to finish like today and what tomorrow is going to hold and you know the obstacles we're going to face and you know the deception that might come against the identity you've given us Lord but may we stand tall with Christ and in the power of your spirit Lord may we walk into this week in the power of your Holy Spirit Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Go with joy and confidence and trust in Jesus. Amen.